Hello, and welcome to the final episode of the Exponential Minds podcast. In this discussion, I'm cluing up my final thoughts on the discussions I hosted with seven post-secondary students surrounding their experiences in math classes. The overarching question of my podcast when I began this journey was to determine the effect of teacher mindset on student engagement in math class. Questions I posed were based on concepts from educational researchers' work. Interestingly enough, I found a number of things that I had not anticipated stumbling across in talking with these young people, so I'm actually going to save the research answer for the end of my discussion. I will begin first with a few other things that I have learned. First on the agenda, class size and environment. Small class size and a positive learning environment is important to help students when they need help from their instructors. Large class sizes seem to be intimidating for them, difficult to focus in, and students appear to fear judgment from their peers, so they tend to refrain from speaking out in class. Having dug into this a little more deeply, research does not necessarily agree with the interviews that I conducted. I think there are a couple of things that we should consider here. So first of all, how the effect of class size tends to be measured in the studies that I referenced. Is it only test scores that they really analyze? Or did these researchers check on the social and emotional needs of the students as well? I find it interesting that my podcast participants may not be speaking from their numeric test score levels or grades, but rather from their comfort levels or feelings of inclusion in class. As a result, I really do think that we are seeing class size have an impact. From the teacher's perspective, it certainly does matter. For example, if I have a smaller class size, I have more time to correct, prep lessons, and organize my materials for my students. I also have a better ability to circulate throughout my classes for discussions and to create small group learning activities and opportunities. Monopolizing on those smaller group sizes, I can individualize the learning more easily. I also get to know the students on a more personal level. I think it would be very interesting to conduct a future study comparing the impact of emotions and student comfort levels in the mathematics classroom with small and large class sizes. The second topic that came out of my discussions was the joy of mathematics. Similar to class size and environment, the joy or the love of math was sparked in a number of experiences. Some of these included solving perceived difficult problems, viewing math as a puzzle, having a mixture of visual, auditory, or hands-on experiences. Some students noted that working through problems may be therapeutic or calming. Some saw math as a social construct, while others viewed it as very personal or private. Both of these outlooks can be seen as positives. When topics pertain to something more useful, math may be more enjoyable. Collaboration or project-based learning experiences were noted to bring joy to math learning processes as well. A number of these topics agree with Sun 2018. Sun says, it is clear that incorporating more mathematical discourse, fostering a growth mindset belief in the middle school mathematics classroom can help students develop more confidence and achieve higher levels of mathematical understanding. Personally, as an educator, it seems logical that if you see math as something attainable but challenging, it will feel that it's an accomplishment. When work is scaffolded properly and the students are engaged or challenged, but feel as if they are being rewarded, there may be a therapeutic or calming nature as they go through problem sets or projects. This agrees with Jaeger and Black's work from 2012, noting that this is a byproduct of building resiliency. 
The next theme I came across in my interviews were some of the topics in the curriculum guide front matter. By that, I'm talking about aesthetics, communication, society, curiosity, etc. Things that appear to be kind of like soft skills that we are asked to address in the teaching of mathematics in our classrooms, but sometimes they may not get the same attention as the curriculum itself. One interview candidate, for example, recalled a project creating images from functions. Some students referenced project-based learning that incorporated multiple skills and subjects. The need for visuals or demos came up quite a bit, and the ability to be creative was noted as important to some. Creativity is appealing, exciting, and a way to see math that is seemingly undervalued by many. What if we could engage more students in the math classroom simply by focusing on math as an art? Sometimes I feel like there's an entire community of students in everyone's classroom that may find a link to the mathematics world if we were able to emphasize some of those characteristics just a little bit more. There were a few other notable mentions that I came across in my interviews as well that may not fit within a specific subheading. First was that one candidate highlighted the need for high ceiling, low floor solutions in the high school setting. This corresponds perfectly with Bowler's solution to increasing potential for learning. I thought it was very intriguing how this particular candidate outlined almost identically the way that Joe Bowler described increasing student opportunity through challenging situations rather than streaming classes. Next, teacher statements stay with students whether they are positive or negative. As a teacher, I have forever been told that everything we say can and will be remembered by our students. In as much as I realized that this was the case, I really didn't realize the extent until I spoke to these young individuals. There were a number of anecdotes in these interviews where the young students talked about particular things that their teachers said in positive or negative lights that impacted them long term. Some people have selected mathematics careers or careers that pertain to mathematics simply based on a positive experience with a junior high teacher. Others have decided that they're not math people because their teachers or professors have made a comment in passing, noting that they were not strong in math class. It really is astonishing how much impact we can have as educators. We always need to be cognizant of our behaviors and conduct ourselves appropriately, whether we are on the top of our game or entirely exhausted. The third point I found quite interesting is that students notice teacher personal learning and effort put into improving. Jimmy Cassis noted that we sometimes do not realize what students observe. Cassis believes that we have to be a champion for our students. In saying that, he really means being a leader or a supporter, but also being our best in terms of personal and professional development. I really do feel it's important that we be a champion for our students on all fronts, whether that be in reference to academic, social, emotional, or just someone they can talk to. Really, truly, we're also their supporters. We have to be cheerleaders on the sidelines in so many ways. A number of the students that I interviewed in this project noted that they really realize when teachers are excited about what they're doing. Teacher enthusiasm was also cited by students as key to when educators are approachable and in the profession for the right reasons. I will certainly make it a point to talk to my students about the things that I'm doing in and outside of my classroom, trying to make the learning experience positive for them. I plan to involve them in making some of those decisions with me as well. The final highlight I want to discuss, and I've already touched on a little bit, is the streaming of math courses. There appeared to be a correlation between self-efficacy in math 
and the streaming of courses. And not necessarily what I would have perceived knowing these students on a personal level. In the interviews, most of the students that I spoke with took the advanced math programming in high school. Just a couple of them took academic math, but I would have guessed that all would have been inclined to take advanced. I thought it was really interesting to find out their reasons choosing one stream over the other. One student in particular specifically took academic math and expressed a little bit of frustration with it. It was very stepwise, and that person did not necessarily take things from it that they had hoped. The programming, in other words, did not really meet their expectations. Having taught that student in a physics classroom, I know very well that they are totally capable of succeeding within advanced math, but the reason they opted out is that they thought it would be an excessive course load for their final year in high school. This brings me back to Bowler's idea that we should consider de-streaming and again consider high ceiling, low floor solutions such that we are able to meet all of our students' needs by expanding our lesson plans to enrich. I really do believe that if we were to restructure lessons in a more project-based environment, rather than using an overabundance of textbook work for practice questions on loose leaf, I think we'd be able to meet a lot more of the needs of our students in a much more efficient way. Ontario seems to have plans to de-stream their education system in 2021, starting with their math programming. I will certainly be keeping an eye on how that's going for them and to see what types of results are yielded as a result of this plan. So finally, back to my overarching research question. What is the impact of teacher mindset on student engagement? To summarize, in brief, it's everything. Teacher behavior is everything to our students. Even when not prompted, the students I interviewed discussed teacher behaviors regularly. Some of their statements that stood out to me included, math was enjoyable in high school because the teacher was excited. I felt like I had the ability to do well thanks to my teachers. Teachers adapted to the students in the room. Teachers want students to achieve. Enthusiasm and passion is important. The mindset of the teacher completely changes your learning experience. The trend here is that when students who encountered challenges in math were met with teachers indicating a desire to help, they tended to leave their courses feeling capable and successful. This, in a nutshell, is the definition of the growth mindset. The outstanding educators that worked with these students were able to instill a growth mindset simply by holding one themselves. Joe Bowler, Carol Dweck, Jimmy Cassis, George Curris, Jennifer Gonzalez, and so many other educators, educational researchers, and educational consultants are plugging for connection. In my experiences personally, connection results from believing that I'm capable of making a difference with my students, knowing that I can do something desirable for them, and from knowing that no matter what my class hands me, I can learn from it. I know that I will be a better teacher by reflecting on my practice, by trying new things, and by cyclically improving what I do. Of course, students recognize the growth mindset in their teachers. It is the very link to the connection that they are craving. I want to leave you on that note, and I want to thank you so much for joining me while unpacking these findings. I wish you well with your personal exponential mindset journey.